Fun Times in Flushing Podcast. That song was Nerve Damage by Punk Rock Opera. You will hear that at the start of every show. That is our theme song, and we just want to say a quick thank you to them. Now, this being our first episode, let me tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Michael Smith. I am a lifelong Mets fan. I love this team. Love this team my whole life. I go back to uh, the late 90s. I love Piazza, Ventura. I love Todd Zeal. Uh, Eduardo Alfonso, you know, these are my guys. You know, I, I feel the pain of Timo Perez not running out Zeal's ball in game one of the World Series. Benitez uh, blowing the save in the ninth inning. Uh, Carlos Beltran striking out in 2006. Uh, you want to talk about Familia in game one of the World Series. Um, all these painful memories, but I have some great memories as well from this team, and that is where fun times and flushing comes from. I love to focus on the positives. I love to look back, especially in these times that we're living in right now. I, and I just like to, like to think about great games I've been to, whether it be game three of the NLDS in 2015 against the Dodgers. Cespedes is hitting one into the second deck and the place going crazy or, you know, going back even further. Uh, you know, Piazza hitting a walk-off home run at a game I was at against the San Diego Padres. You know, these are the memories that, you know, who knows when we're going to get to make memories like that again. You know, I'm sitting here, I'm recording uh, while watching Monday night's game against the Boston Red Sox. And uh, Conforto just hit his two-run homer. If you watch this game, his two-run homer over the bullpen uh, off Josh, Josh Osich. Uh, and, you know, that's great. And that got me excited and I love to watch it. But I want to see him do it in person. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, uh, being socially distant, wearing my mask when I go out and you should too. Um, but that's what, that's what we all want. That's end game for all of us. We want to get back in the ballpark and watching this team play. Um, so let's, let's talk about our fun times in flushing. Let's talk about the fun times being created in flushing right now. Let's talk about the 2020 New York Mets. But before we get into that, uh, this being Monday, July 27th, obviously the big news of the day we have to get into before we talk about our Mets, uh, the situation in Miami with the Marlins. Uh, one player test positive last Friday, opening day, three more test positive on Sunday in Philadelphia. And before the team can even leave, they find out that they have seven more players tested positive as well as two coaches. Obviously, this is really, really bad news. Not what Major League Baseball wants to hear. Uh, it resulted in the postponement cancellation. Uh, I've seen both words used of Miami's home opener against Baltimore uh, Monday night. It resulted in the postponement of Yankees Phillies because the Marlins were in Philly. They're still in Philly. Um and they used the, the, the dugout in the locker room that the Yankees are supposed to use. So that's all being cleaned out and the Phillies are being tested. And, you know, who knows when the Yankees and Phillies are going to get to start their four game series, their two game home and home. Um, I believe Baltimore got on a plane and went back to Baltimore 
Uh, so it would appear that there's no hope of those games being played either Monday or Tuesday in Miami. Uh, who knows if Miami will draw to Baltimore or what will happen there. Uh, this is all touch and go, and we don't know uh, what's going on. Um, earlier, we found out Rick Renteria, manager of the White Sox, uh, was experiencing some cold, flu-like symptoms and was being quarantined uh, in his hotel room. So we're just playing this by ear. Um, you know, we're seeing that epidemiologists are wondering why the Marlins were allowed to play on Sunday. Uh, we heard from Don Mattingly that um, the players didn't want to not play. The players had no thoughts of not playing. Uh, that's what players are going to do. And you have to protect the players from themselves. They want to play. That's plain and simple. And that's what we love about our players. Uh, Miguel Rojas was the most vocal player in that Marlins locker room. Um, you know, we know as Beth fans, Pete has talked about wanting to play. Brandon Nimmo has talked about wanting to play. Uh, Jeff McNeil. We've heard these guys be out there, out front. They want to play. But we need these guys to be safe. You know, it, uh, I, I don't really know too many names in Miami that have tested positive. I know Jose Urania was one of them. He's one of their better players. Um, you know, their their hopes this season are not that great. So, uh, whatever, you, you know, as far as being played, obviously we don't want anybody to get, to get sick. But as far as looking at how it affects the team on the field, you know, I, I don't know how big a deal that necessarily is. But, you know, our our season is in a lot of trouble if we lose any one of those guys, Pete. Jeff, Brandon, Nimmo, that's a big deal. So you have to be careful when you talk about being, you know, not being careful and not taking the proper precautions. Uh, so we need to figure out exactly how we're going to make this work moving forward. We're, we're three games in. We're not far enough in this for there to be problems. Uh, you know, it's nice. The, the Marlins, again, we're taking out real life here because we don't want anybody getting sick. We don't want anybody being put in a bad situation. None of that. Please, you know, pray to God. But as far as putting a team on the field, the Marlins can do that. There's a 60 man player pool. The most guys you can have on a team right now is 30. So that's what they had with them in Philly. So there, if all 30 guys got sick, they could field the team. But we don't want it to come to that. You know, the, the Marlins are bad enough already. We don't need them playing their beast squad. Um, so we will have to see how that plays out. You know, that's four teams are affected right now. Uh, if you go back even further, which I guess Major League Baseball has not quite done that yet. Uh, they were in Atlanta last week. Uh, as we heard many times over the weekend, uh, Travis Darnell and Tyler Flowers, the two top catchers for the Atlanta Braves, were experiencing symptoms. They did not test positive. I believe they've actually tested negative a couple times, but they're still feeling symptoms. So they were quarantined in Atlanta, and not they did not travel up to New York this past weekend to play the Mets. Were they sick? Is somebody else on their team sick? Are they going to test positive in the coming days? Is that going to end up affecting the Mets? We don't know. Uh, so we have to play this by ear and just see what happens. Unfortunately, there's no, there's unfortunately not really a better answer than that at this time. But, um, 
that's all we're going to talk about that today. Uh, the rest of this podcast is going to assume that Major League Baseball doesn't just blow it up at some point this week and call it a season. Uh, we're going to get into uh, the series against Atlanta this past weekend, as well as looking forward at what's to come this week. Uh, let's start with the offense. Oh my goodness, the offense was terrible. Um, I have a couple of numbers here. Uh, against Atlanta, Pete Alonso, one for 11, four strikeouts. J.D. Davis, one for 10, two strikeouts. Robinson Cornell, one for nine. Cespedes, two for 10, five strikeouts. Half the time he went up to the plate, he didn't even put the ball in play. Um, you want to look at the good, you have Cespedes' as homer on Friday, which was obviously a big deal to Met fans everywhere. Uh, it was a great moment. Can't take it away from him. It was a great moment, and it won the game. Uh, but the rest of the weekend, not good. Uh, Michael Conforto, three hits against left-handers, uh, and then another home run tonight in this game off a lefty uh, in Boston Monday night. Um, Ahmed Rosario had a good weekend, um, getting on base a lot, scoring runs, so that's good. But the the runs were few and far between, unfortunately, for the team as a whole. Uh, not much else going on offensively. Uh, you switch over to the starting pitching, and that's where uh, the Mets had a good weekend. Uh, Rick Porcello notwithstanding. Jacob DeGrom, five innings, one hit, one walk, eight strikeouts. Steven Matz, even though if you watched the game on Saturday, uh, me personally, I didn't think Matz looked that great. Um, he seemed to be uh, struggling a little bit with the breaking ball. Uh, he threw a not, a not very good one to Adam Duvall that Adam Duvall hit off Willow McNeil in right field um, for a home run. Uh, but Conforto and Rosario were able to scratch out a couple runs uh, to get the ball to Edwin Diaz, which we'll get into shortly as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, Steven Matt sits in two hits, one walk, one run, seven strikeouts. I, like I said, I didn't personally, I didn't think he looked all that great, all that crisp, but he got the job done. He gets the ball to the bullpen and team has the lead. That's all you can ask for from your starting pitcher, especially the guy who's supposed to be realistically your number four, who's now your number two. Um, yeah, I I was very impressed with the, the big thing with uh, Matt's over the years has always been he gets very frustrated and he doesn't know how to, or he I shouldn't say he doesn't know how to, but he has never been very good at, you know, pulling his emotions together and, bearing down and getting through an inning. That's never been his strong suit. Um, but he was able to do that on Saturday. And that was a big step forward for him. And we'll hopefully see if he can continue, can, if he can continue that later this week. Um, let's switch over to the bullpen. Uh, Seth Lugo, two innings, one hit, three strikeouts. Justin Wilson, uh, an inning and a third, two hits, three strikeouts. Two of those against Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, you know, you're bringing in a crew, sorry, you're bringing in Wilson to get left-handers, and he got two big outs against the Cooney Jr., who did not have a good weekend. Um, he did not put up uh, much of a fight this weekend, but still, to have your lefty come in and get him out twice with big strikeouts, that was nice to see. Uh, Familia, an inning, uh, a clean inning, soft contact again, like we saw against the Yankees last weekend. Uh, that very encouraging to see. Uh, Batances, uh, two thirds of an inning, one hit, one strikeout. He was removed for Justin Wilson, um, on Saturday. 
Uh, Wilson Wilson actually came in to get a lefty, couldn't do it, but then got Acuna. Uh, Hunter Strickland, uh, really rough outing on Saturday in the 10th inning. Uh, he had the ghost runner or the automatic runner or whatever you want to call it. Um, he allowed him to score immediately on a base hit by Dansby Swanson, but he just he could not get anybody out after that. Um, two more hits, two more runs after that. Um, those two runs are the only ones that were earned. If you don't know, the runner that starts the inning at second base is counts as an error, so it's an unearned run. But he gave up three runs in that inning, um, so that was rough to watch, but very encouraging. Drew Smith, who did not pitch well against the Yankees, came in, got out of that inning uh, with a strikeout uh, and the ground ball. So he got out of that. Uh, he, he gave the Mets a chance, you know. Um, if you look at what happened on Saturday, um, Edwin Diaz, Edwin Diaz did great on Friday, came in, got the save. No problem. Uh, he walked the guy, but a couple strikeouts he got through the inning. Um, on Saturday, he gets to three, two, he gets to three, two, and he makes a very good pitch to Marcelo Zuna. Uh, it was the exact same pitch. He struck Ozuna out with the day before this time Ozuna was ready for it and took it out to right field. Marcelo Ozuna, don't forget is a very good player. You know, I saw they put the graphic up on Saturday, actually earlier in the game on Saturday, they put up the graphic. You know, you might forget Marcelo Ozuna has spent the past two years in St. Louis. Uh, he's been played by injury. He has not had, um, He's not been an impact player in a little bit, but in 2017, Marcelo Zuna in that outfield with Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich put up a 312 batting average, 37 homers, 124 RBIs. Um, I'm looking at the numbers right now on baseball reference. He had 191 hits, 30 doubles. I mean, this is 2017. The man's only... What is he? I believe he's he's not even 30 years old yet. Uh, you can look at him and think, oh, he's washed up because of the two bad years. He's not. If he can stay healthy, he has the potential to put up a big sits to games for that Atlanta Braves team. Um, this is not to make excuses for Edwin Diaz. Uh, it's a very short leash. But he said it after the game. This isn't the kind of game to get upset over. You know, it, he didn't make a bad pitch. And I agree with him. Um, you know, we're going to see how that plays out. Uh, one more blown save and you can't hand him the ball in the ninth inning. That's, there's no doubt about it. But for now, I'm willing to give him another chance, uh, to close out a ball game. Um, that's just me. Um, you know, but you do have to win these games. You know, we're one strike away from getting, from going two and oh, to start the season and all of a sudden the wheels come off from there and you're one and two. Uh, but that's, again, you can't hand the ball to Hunter Strickland and I understand you start with a runner on second base. There's going to be a lot of times this year where that runner scores in the top half and then that runner scores in the bottom half. You can't let the inning completely blow up from there. He got one out. He faced four batters, got one out. He gave up three runs. It was 2-2. He made it 5-2. You have to do better than that. 
You know, you can get, you can get the first two guys out and still give up the run. I understand that. You know, that's not, we can debate whether or not you like the rule or not. The guys out there, if he scores, he scores. You got to be able to get guys out. Hunter Strickland could not do that on Saturday. I'm sorry, I had to pause the recording there for a second. Uh, my son woke up, my one-year-old woke up, and I had to uh, help him get back to sleep. Um, I noticed also, in case you might have heard a little rattling around, uh, a little sound uh, issue I was having with my dryer. That's not too far away from here, through a door, but still was making a little noise that was coming in through the microphone. So I apologize, and I hope that uh, you will no longer hear that. Um, while I was away, uh, the Mets offense broke out. Pete Alonzo with a two run homer, Dominic Smith with a three run homer, and it's seven, nothing Mets here in the fourth inning. Um, and they are tearing into this Boston bullpen, uh, that is going to have to have a lot of work over the next three days. Uh, Nathan Evaldi can only do so much on Wednesday against Jacob DeGrom. Uh, but we will get into that in a little bit. Um, but bullpen game again on Tuesday. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I'm not somebody who says, you know. You know, you go into a series against Miami, you want to win two out of three. Uh, it's always nice to sweep, but you can't ask for a sweep going into a series. That's just outrageous. Uh, I'm looking at this Boston series and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, we need to win all four games because they are a disaster pitching wise. Uh, again, we'll get into it in a in a couple seconds, but uh, the offense. Is, is very good, but uh, the pitching is just disastrous. Um, but I was talking about Hunter Strickland's inability to get anybody out on Saturday. And, um, yeah, he was not good. But here's the thing. Like I said, you want to complain about the rule, uh, the runner starting at second base and at training. The Mets had that too. And Jeff McNeil started at second base. Jake Marisnik, uh reached... On an infield single, he smoked the ball to third base that uh, Johan Camargo could not handle. And you had Pete Alonso up as the tying run. He singles. Uh, unfortunately, he pinch ran for Cespedes earlier in the game, so it was Eduardo Nunez instead of Cespedes. I would have rather seen Dom Smith in that spot. Uh, I would have rather let Andres Jimenez bat than Eduardo Nunez. I know Eduardo Nunez uh, is an experienced player, but I just would have I just would have rather seen uh, the lefties go up against Luke Jackson in that spot. That's just me. Um, that I have no reason to believe Andres Jimenez would have uh, fared any better than Eduardo Nunez. And Dom Smith didn't, didn't get the job done either. Um, but uh, that's just... Those those games, you can't have that. Like I said, I, I'm not putting any blame on Edwin Diaz. Marcelo Zuna just put a good swing on a ball on the outer half of the plate and took it out to right field. I was uh, upset when it happened, obviously, but I was very impressed with what he did. Those games, you have to be able to get guys out in the 10th inning. Sorry, Hunter Strickland. You got to do it. And when he came in, uh, you know, I was I was pleased to see. I wasn't. I was I was asleep by the time Hunter Strickland came into that game on Sunday night in the ninth inning. But I was pleased to see that he got through it. You know, there's no pressure in a 14-1 to game. But go into a big league game and get outs, that's difficult. Hopefully, he builds off that rather than dwelling on his poor performance on Saturday. Um, but, uh, there's not a lot of guys who had good performances on Sunday. Hunter Strickland's just about the only one. 
Uh, Rick Porcello, Corey Oswalt, Paul Seawald, all not good. Uh, Corey Oswalt, um, I have to commend him for at least taking the brunt of that and pitching four innings, uh, giving up three home runs. The one to Austin Riley was unbelievable. I've only seen uh, Cespedes and Judge hit the ball up there. Uh, but uh, good good on him for taking the brunt of that. Unfortunately, as usually happens in those situations, he was then optioned down <laughs> to the uh, minor league or the backup or whatever you know the hell you want to call what's going on in Brooklyn. That training site, I guess, is is what they're calling it. Um, but you know, Sunday. Games like Sunday are going to happen. You're going to have games that you just lose because you lose. Um, you'd rather not lose in such a decisive manner, but they lost. And and it's the baseball season. You're going to lose games. But Saturday is the one that kills you because you wake up on Monday morning. If you went Saturday and you say, wow, last night was ugly, but we're two and one. We're tied for first place. We're going to Boston. Let's take care of business. Losing Saturday is what hurts that weekend so much. Even if you win 2-1 and the offense is brutal all weekend and there's not a ton of positives to look at, you're 2-1 and you can build from there. And I mean, what they're doing here tonight in Boston Monday night uh, is, is very nice to see. So this series against Atlanta, obviously not a lot of good coming out of it, but Hopefully, that's about to change in Boston. We will talk about Boston in just a couple of moments. But first, I want to talk about this week in Mets history. Uh, This is something I want to do. Um, I like looking back. Uh, We're going to look at games, obviously, at some point. Uh, But this being the week of the traditional trade deadline, uh, there's a lot of transactions uh, in this week in Mets history. Uh, so let's get to it. Uh, 1989, July 27th, 1989, the New York Mets trade Lenny Dijkstra, Roger McDowell, and a player to be named later for Juan Samuel, uh, one of the more maligned trades in Mets history, uh, trading away two pieces of the 1986 Mets for a guy who hit 228 after the trade and was traded to the Dodgers in the offseason. Um, you know, this is a, a trade that's talked about. Uh, it's not one of the top bad trades in Mets history, but it's one that's always looked at as being, uh, you know, one that sort of rounds out the conversation. Um, so that's not, that, that's that's where we're starting because unfortunately that is the history of this franchise, more bad than good, but we're certainly going to get into the good later in the week. Um, 2002, Speaking of getting to the good later in the week, 2002, July 27th, uh, the New York Mets signed an international free agent by the name of Carlos Gomez. Uh, July 28th, 2000, a package that included Melvin Mora was sent to Baltimore for Mike Bordick. Uh, Mike Bordick was required for those 2000 Mets after the injury to Ray Ordonez. Um, they never, I don't think they really expected Mike Bordick to fill the shoes defensively of Ray Ordonez, but to maybe at least be an offensive piece to add on. Uh, he hit 260 
after the trade in the regular season, four home runs. Um, that's more production than they would have got from Rayardonez. But in the postseason, no extra base hits, hitting 122 uh, through all through you know through the World Series. Uh, that's not what they traded Mike Bordick for. Uh, and he also in 56 games at shortstop, he made seven errors, which is quite a lot. Uh, and you're talking about replacing Rayardonez, who had won the three previous Gold Gloves. So not a great trade. Uh, another not, another not a great trade uh, for this team. But that team did go to the World Series. And that's something uh, not to sneeze at, for sure. Um, again, July 28th, 2011. Uh, Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler. Um, you know, Zach was not a part of that 2015 World Series team. Uh, but good memories with Zach in Queens. Um, I remember not being at his first major league start. That was in Atlanta but being at his first start at City Field. And, you know, that was, we were already in the swell of Matt Harvey. And um, being around for a Zach Wheeler start at City Field, at that time when there wasn't a ton of hope and optimism around the team at that moment, looking towards the future, Harvey, Wheeler, he just he just felt good. Um, he did not pitch well that day. He gave up a lot of runs to the Nationals. I think they lost like 12-1. But uh, great, great um, prospect, great guy to look at. And again, a guy whose name will come up uh, as later in the week. Um, and then last year, 2019, July 28th, Simeon Woods-Richardson and Anthony Kay sent to Toronto for Marcus Stroman. And man, wouldn't it be nice to have him not be hurt right now. Uh, July 29th, 1996, uh, the Mets get Carlos Baerga, uh for Jeff Kent, uh, borderline Hall of Famer Jeff Kent, not borderline Hall of Famer Carlos Baerga. Um, And then more importantly, 2015, the trade that wasn't Zach Wheeler and Wilmer Flores to Milwaukee for Carlos Gomez. Uh, what can you say? Uh, if you haven't seen the five days in flushing documentary that SNY did, um, I believe it came out in the summer of 2016, but they play it fairly frequently. Um, it's just a great watch to follow what happened on July 29th, 2015, all the way to October 2nd, uh, not October 2nd, August 2nd. Uh, that would October 2nd would not be five days. It would be a lot more than five days. Uh, August 2nd, uh, which again, we're going to get into. It's just great. And it just starts with, it starts with that trade, that trade that didn't happen. It starts with Wilmer crying uh, at shortstop at City Field. It's really just, I remember watching it live and just thinking, what is happening? Why is this guy crying on the field? Why are they not taking him out of the game? What is going on? It was just the strangest night, waking up the next morning, finding out that the trade was off. I I still can't really believe that it all happened. I, I mean, I remember him coming out of the game. I remember David Wright following him down the, the tunnel to console him. It was just so crazy the way it all went down. Uh, you had the phone call, Zach Wheeler calling Sandy Alderson saying, listen, I understand if you trade me, but please don't. I want to be a part of this team. And he just really started to feel like there was something special there. 
but they missed out on Carlos Gomez and they had to do something. Um, the other thing that gets lost in that, uh, that night against San Diego, Lucas Duda, three home runs. But of course that Mets team, uh, up to that point was the lowest run scoring team in the majors. So Luke Studio hit three home runs and again, the Mets lost seven to three, three solo home runs. That was the whole offense. Uh, and they lose seven, three to San Diego. Uh, moving on to July 30th, 2004, the Scott Casimir trade, uh, you know, Casimir turns out to really not be much in the major leagues. Certainly was not what the Mets had anticipated him being, but still, you end up with Victor Zambrano, and you you just you just think to yourself, man, I would have liked to have taken my chances with Scott Casimir. Uh, maybe maybe Rick Peterson could have done something with him instead of saying I can fit Victor Zambrano, which he very much did not. Also, 2004, the Mets acquire and then deal away in a duo of trades, Jose Bautista, uh, the future All Star was acquired by the Mets from Kansas City and then shipped to Pittsburgh for Chris Benson. Uh, and that was news, newsworthy over the next couple of years in its own right uh, for reasons I will elect to not get into. Uh, 2007, uh, July 30th, the Mets trade for Luis Castillo. Uh, again, that provided uh, highlights, lowlights, however you want to look at it. Uh, a brawl against Miami, uh, the infamous pop-up in Yankee Stadium. A, a lot happened with Luis Castillo in Queens, but man, he was a he was a really good player. Uh, he didn't. He was obviously not at the top of his game with the Mets, but really good player in Florida. And uh, you know, he did a lot for the Mets uh, those two years, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, uh, to get them knocking on the door of the playoffs. Uh, and then last one, July 30th, 2015, the infamous rain delay, the Upton home run off of Jerry's Familia. And man, you had to think the season was over. You had to think the season was over. Again, if you watch that five days in Flushing, uh, they have great audio of Joe and Evan live on the air on WFAN watching Upton hit that home run off Familia and the meltdown that they have. I guess it live on the air is pretty entertaining and it just encompasses how dead in the water they were. They were done. The season was over. Um, and it's really just an amazing, uh, amazing part of that story. Uh, July 31st, 2006, uh, you had in the aftermath of Dewaner Sanchez's taxi cab accident at Xavier Nady, gets shipped off to Pittsburgh for Roberto Hernandez and Ali Perez. Now, Roberto Hernandez solidified, I guess, the bullpen, but he wasn't what Duaner Sanchez was. Uh, they end up getting Sean Green later in August, but he he did not do on that team what Xavier Nady did. And Xavier Nady never really was that player at any other point in his career, but he fit in the bottom of that lineup and had a really good year for the first half for the Mets. Um, I, I always wonder what would have happened if Duaner Sanchez didn't want food in Florida <laughs> and, you know, whatever, whatever made him get in that taxi cab. I always wonder what, what could have been 
in 2006. Obviously, they'd go to Game 7. Ali Perez pitches very well in Game 7, gets them through five innings. Uh, he gives up the home run that wasn't to Scott Rowland and Andy Chavez, makes a great catch on. Uh, but he, he gave them a chance to win in Game 7 of the NLCS and a chance to go to the World Series. So, you know, I'm not going to kill Ali Perez. But had they had Munner Sanchez and what he was providing in that bullpen as a setup man, they had a Xavier Nady. Just wonder what if if the outcome might have been different. Um, and then in 2015, on the 31st, just before the deadline, the Mets acquire Ioannis Cespedes. Uh, later that night, Wilmer Flores hits the infamous walk-off home run off of Felipe Rivero of the Washington Nationals, and the the season changed. I, I I'll never forget, never forget watching the Upton home run. And then two, uh, a day later, watching the Flores home run. I can't even explain just how it felt. I try not to get too high, too low uh, on a season uh, unless you really know it's over. And I knew it was over when Upton hit the home run. And I, I, just, I really I try not to get that way, but I knew it was over. And then the next night they trade for Cespedes. Flores hits the home run against Washington and all of a sudden I knew they were going to win the division. It was an insane swing of emotions, but I truly felt strongly both, you know, both ways about it. Um, and then on strip August 1st, uh, on August 2nd, uh, the Mets complete the sweep against the nationals. I was in city field that night. Um, Cinder gives up a home run in the first to Rendon. Uh, it's one, nothing nationals, Cinder gets on base with two outs in the third inning. Granderson homers, Nets pitch, Murphy homers. Two pitches later, Cespedes singles, Nets pitch due to homers off the facing of the then Pepsi porch. Five runs on five pitches. Um, I, I can't remember City Field ever being that loud again. I'm sure if you were there for the World Series, it was that loud. But for me, that night, I, nothing tops it. I was... I was Therefore, game three of the NLDS later that year, and I really, I don't think it was that loud. We knew we won the division. We knew Washington could not come back from that. We knew they couldn't beat us. It was amazing, and it was it's one of my favorite memories, like I said, in these times where we don't have the option to go out and go to the baseball game or go to the garden or go really do anything. That's one of those memories that I just love, love to look back on. Um, so that's it for this week in Mets history. I'm going to try to do that every week. Uh, like I said, this one was very heavy on transactions, uh, but we'll get more into moments and games and, you know, stuff you remember more on the field. But I, I really feel, some, you know, some of those transactions, obviously Carlos Beltran for Zach Wheeler is one that it's memorable but it's not high impact, but a lot of that stuff was more, I feel the Xavier Nady trade, I think is a really big deal in Mets history. And obviously the Ioannis Cespedes trade. I don't, I don't know if there's a bigger trade in Mets history um, for what he provided. I, I, I guess Piazza, but Cespedes, I, I don't know if anybody's been an impact on this team quite like him in such a short time. Uh, so let's let's uh, transition now uh, into looking at this Boston Red Sox series. 
uh, this week. Four games, first two in Fenway, Monday night and Tuesday night. Uh, Nets two at City Field Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, we won't talk much about Monday because that's already happening as I'm recording. The Sunday night baseball uh, really messed up my recording. I, I plan to record on Sundays after the Sunday afternoon game, but when there's a Sunday night game, uh, that really blows that up. So uh, the starter on Monday was Michael Waka. Uh, he's doing quite well uh, against Josh Osich. It's really a bullpen game for Boston. Uh, same thing tomorrow when they start lefty Matt Hall. Uh, he's made 21 appearances uh, in his major league career over the past two years for Detroit. Uh, that's a 948 ERA, so not great. Uh, no starts, though, in those 21 appearances. So, like I said, you're looking at a bullpen game two days in a row. I don't know. I don't know how you plan to play that out when you don't have off days coming up. You got a guy who did not have a great year last year, and Nathan Evaldi pitching on Wednesday. You got a guy in Martin Perez on Thursday that hasn't done much, uh, is not really, does not have a track record of offering much length uh, in the starting rotation. Uh, to have these bullpen games is, is is a tall task to put on your bullpen, but what are you going to do? Their starting pitching is just ravaged. They have nothing else to offer. They, I'm sure they would have thrown a starting pitcher if they thought they had a representative product, but they really don't. And, and they know better than me, for sure. So it, it's really, really tough. Really tough look for Boston, but what are you going to do? Uh, I'll take it. Like I said, they have to win these four games. They have to. Um, so looking at... And all I said Monday, as I'm looking up at the screen right now, it's 7-1 Mets. 7-1 Mets in the fifth inning. Uh, so let's move on to Tuesday. Uh, the Mets have not announced a starter quite yet. Um, some of the options are a bullpen game of their own. Um, Erasmo Ramirez, who has spent parts of eight seasons with Seattle, the Rays, and these Red Sox, or potentially David Peterson. Uh, the much-talked-about uh, prospect in the Mets organization. Uh, he is on. He's supposedly in Boston right now as part of the Tatsy squad that the Mets are allowed to travel with. So I guess we will see uh, if it ends up being him on Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday, the series shifts back to New York. Uh, it'll be the aces for both teams, Jacob DeGrom against Nathan Evaldi. Uh, Evaldi won on opening day versus Baltimore. Sits innings one run in a 13-2 victory. Uh, he is trying to bounce back. He had a rough year last year. Um, you may remember his big um, outing in Game 3 of the World Series in 2018. Earned himself a big contract going into 2019. He had a rough year last year, and he is trying to bounce back here in the second year of this contract. Uh, good outing on opening day. Um, but he's he's not going to have a bullpen behind him on Wednesday night um, unless they really make a ton of roster moves. Um, the Mets are really tearing into his bullpen right now on Monday night. Uh, I don't see Tuesday being very much different. He's going to have to go deep into that game. 
Um, and he's going to be against what I think would be a, a pretty much unleashed Jacob DeGrom. Uh, DeGrom threw 72 pitches, I believe, on uh, opening day on Friday. So he should be ready for somewhere in the 90, 95 range, I would think. Um, you know, he could obviously go up to 100, 110 when he's fully, he's a full go. But 90-95 is pretty close. I would expect him to be able to go anywhere from five to seven innings. And the Mets just have, you know, I, I know people don't necessarily want to hear this. Mets just have a better bullpen uh, than a lot of teams, I think. I think the Mets have a really good bullpen, uh, but it's certainly better than Boston's. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, another lefty, Martin Perez. Uh, he has spent most of his career with Texas last year. He was with Minnesota, that brutal starting rotation last year in Minnesota. That was part of a hundred win team, but just didn't have enough starting pitching. That was their big weakness. And it was a massive hole in their team. Uh, they fixed it in part, uh, by getting rid of Martin Perez. No, I shouldn't say that. That's not nice. Um, but he's their he's their second best starting pitcher. That's that's really just how bad this rotation is. Uh, he was the losing pitcher on Saturday against the O's. Five innings, six hits, five runs. Uh, only four of them earned two waltz, two strikeouts. He goes against Steven Matz. Like I said, Steven Matz on Saturday. I'd like to see him be a little sharper, but got the job done. That's all you can ask for from from uh, from Steven. Um, and I I. I I think he's a much better pitcher than Martin Perez. So I guess we'll see uh, what the Mets are, are, are capable of doing this weekend. If they're, if they can break out with the bats, they should really take care of business in a big way for four games against this Red Sox team. Um, diving deeper, obviously no Mookie bets for this Boston team. Like I said, the bullpen is miserable. Um, but they are good offensively uh, and defensively. They have Xander Bogarts finished fifth in MVP voting last year. They have Rafael Devers. That's a, a big left side of the infield. Both guys had over 30 home runs and 115 RBIs last year. Uh, Devers had 201 hits. Uh, that 200 hit mark is is big. Um, the outfield... Uh, Defensively, is tremendous. Benintendi, Bradley, Pilar, left to right. Uh, J.D. Martinez, obviously, has the DH. 43 homers, 130 RBIs in 2018. Uh, down year last year, only 36 homers and 105 RBIs. Uh, just a tremendous hitter. Uh, Benintendi, 40 doubles each of the past two seasons. This team can hit. Don't get me wrong. When I say the Mets should win all four games, um, I'm just talking about their pitching. I don't think their pitching is very good, but their offense is outstanding. Uh, so the Mets have to show up, and Michael Walker has done that so far tonight. Uh, looking at Mats and DeGrom, I think they can do it as well. Uh, the big one is going to be who pitches on Tuesday. But I think it has a potential to be a big series for the Mets uh, against Boston. After that, down to Atlanta for four more with the Braves. Uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday. Uh, no announced starters yet, uh, but expect to see a rematch of Sunday's Porcello-Sean Newcomb matchup on Friday. 
Um, I will be back next Sunday to discuss those first three games uh, as well as this Red Sox series. Um, I'll be recording on Sunday. You can hear that on Monday. Uh, And Monday night is when the final game in Atlanta will be played. Real quick before I get out of here, I just want to talk um, about Brad Brock. Uh, This is, I mean, fortunately, there's not a ton of news coming out of what's going on right now uh, with the team. Uh, The Marlins obviously have their thing. Uh, But Brad Brock uh, just returned to the team over the weekend. Uh, He had a really bad bout with coronavirus. His wife tested positive. His wife tested positive as well. His wife was pregnant at the time when they were um, diagnosed, um, but they have both since recovered. She gave birth to two uh, twin boys, two twin boys, not two twin boys. Uh, that would be four, I guess. Uh, twin boys, and uh, everybody is healthy and happy now. Brock is with the team, so I guess they got the old clear. And I just want to say congratulations to Brad Brock. Um, Brad Brock, if you don't know, is a huge Mets fan growing up, uh, was a member of the Orioles in 2015, went to the World Series wearing a Mets jersey, absolutely loves this team, has followed them throughout his professional career, and I love having a guy like that on our team, so very happy for him on a personal level, uh, him and his wife, that they got through the virus, uh, they got out on the other side okay and that they are now the proud parents of two boys so congratulations to them uh that is it for the first episode of fun times in flushing i hope you enjoyed it i hope you will subscribe apple Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast and that you'll come next week uh you can follow me on twitter i'm at msmithhwn on twitter you can follow Fun Times in Flushing at Fun in Flushing. Fun Times in Flushing is too long. So it's at Fun in Flushing on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I will be making a YouTube page actually pretty soon uh, where I will have some smaller clips. This is, we're pushing 50 minutes on this podcast. So some more smaller clips of this and maybe talking during the week about certain games because. Um, you know, it's going to be a while before I record on Sunday and something big might happen in the game on Tuesday that we might want to talk about. So you might find that there on my YouTube page. Um, I will be tweeting that out. So please go follow me at fun and flushing. So you will be able to follow that as it happens. And, uh, that should just about do it for us this week. Uh, we're going to have more next week. We're really just getting started on all this. Uh, so I hope you'll come along for the ride. I love this team. I love the Mets. I want to share that with the world. I love talking baseball. I love, uh, there's going to be a writing element to all this. I love blogging. I love writing about sports and, and I I just love sitting down watching the Mets and, and talking about it with people. Um, and in this world now, I don't, you know, I, I talk to people, obviously. Um, I talk to my father and, you know, my, I have a cousin I'm very close with, especially when it comes to the Mets, but you're not getting together. It's not the same. So I hope you will sit there and listen as I speak into this microphone and talk about this team, this sport, 
and pretend that things are normal for a little while. Uh, so thank you for listening. This has been the very first episode of Fun Time and Flushing. Again, my name is Michael Smith. Let's go Mets.